0: Ladies and gentlemen, Graffiti Talk Radio.
1: This your boy, Fresh, for uh, Graffiti Talk Radio, home of the hip-hop backstores. I got my partner crying, Bummer Clock. Bummer Clock, where you at?
0: Right here, homie. You know the deal. Yeah,
1: yeah. And, uh, you know, we got another good show today. And uh, there's a whole saying, you know, you got the man behind the man. Because when you think about the producers from Ruthless and Death Row, uh, the name that comes to mind is Dr. Drake. But there's another producer... That was right on the side of him to make that magic happen at those labels. Not only did he produce for Rubens and Delph Rowe, he produced for artists like Too Short, Coolio, Ball, Street Military, LL Cool J, Spice One, just to name a few. So hip-hop heads, beats, and the guitar, man.
0: Yo, so Stan, is, Yo.
1: it's good to have you on the show, man. It's good to be on the show, man. I'm, I'm You know, it's all good. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, so uh. Yeah, so starting off, man, you know, where, where where you from? Where was you born uh, and where you grew up at? Born and raised in Compton. Oh, okay. uh, What's
0: Yeah.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, so uh, what was it like in those days when you was coming up? Uh, actually, man, it was a
0: lot of fun, you know. Uh, it's pretty much normal, you know, childhood stuff. Uh, but, you know, it was... Uh, what I did, I was just in the music scene, so. Right. I didn't really get caught up in too much in, 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 in the other stuff because I was focused on, you know, honing my craft and stuff like that, so it kept me out of a lot of trouble, you know, so. Right. I, uh, but, uh, you know, like I say, Dr. Dre, he grew up down the street uh, with his grandmothers, uh and, uh you know, he moved over, but uh, I met him from, uh, Lonzo, who lived around okay. the corner from me, and who who started the World Class Wrecking Crew, and uh, from there, you know, I, I I've been knowing them since they were just DJs, and and you know, then they started the World Class Wrecking Crew, and I have Easy start coming around, and Ice Cube, and and, and and NWA thing happened, and you know, they called me on board to help them with that, so right, you know. That's how it kind of you know played out.
1: Right. So, uh, was you working on? Did 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 you start working on uh, N.W.A. and the Posse? Did you work on that, or did you work on Straight Outta Compton? Uh, Straight Outta Compton. Like
0: some of the songs they did, you know, didn't have really bass lines and stuff. They didn't have live, you know, uh, musical instruments. So those I didn't work on. But the one straight out of Compton is the one that, you know, uh they called me in to like replace some of the samples and you know, you know, and come up with some parts for different you know, parts of the song. And uh so it, it started with the straight out of Compton, you know, and uh it kinda grew from there and that's where I met, you know, the whole Rufus family, you know, uh Above the Law, for with D O Michelle
1: yeah, you know, of course, yeah. Of course, Easy you know. Yep. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um, so what uh, was you in there doing the, uh, you know, the, uh, the, 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 the now famous scenario when, uh, they, they was talking Easy in the rapping Boys in the Hood? Was you in there during that time, during that session? Uh, that particular session, I wasn't there, but, you
0: know, Cause I was always, you know, I think that started at Lonzo's house, and uh, I would always be at Lonzo's house, you know, pretty much every other day. But that particular day, I wasn't there when they started, when they put Easy in the booth. But uh, you know, after that, you know, I was I was there and uh, just watch, you know, how everything progressed together. Our ice Cube was writing the words, and you know, they was coaching. But yeah, during the other sessions, like when he was doing Boys in the Hood. And we, we moved to Torrance. I was there while like, he was punching each word for word, you know, and it's pretty much like the movie, you know, just starting to yeah. stop until t- he pieced
1: it together until he got what he wanted.
0: Right, right.
1: Right. So, um, with, with Dr. Dre and DJ yellow, how was their work ethic, man? Uh,
0: Dre had a, uh, man, a. a a great work ethic. I mean, he kind of lived in the studio for the most part. Um, So, I mean, he would be in the studio just, just making beats, you know what I'm saying? Most of the time, you know, other than that going out, but for the most part, he kind of lived in the studio because he had work to do then because once they got the budget to do NWA, he didn't really have no no downtime. So most of the time I will just be in there watching him work, making beats and, Sometimes it would just be me and him, uh, but Yellow would be in there for the most part doing a lot of editing and stuff like that. Yeah. But uh, maybe it would just be I mean Dre on the beats, and uh, you know, as far as you know, producing and the direction of the whole thing. Right.
1: So man, when 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 you saw the the album being created, did you think it would become the phenomenon that it that it became? Did you? No, man. No. Hmm. No, go ahead. ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, actually,
0: nobody did. You know, that, that's the funny part. I mean, it was just an album really just for the hood, you know, because nobody was cussing on records at that time. Yeah, So yeah. It, was, it wasn't like, you know, they thought it was going to be all over the radio or nothing like that. All but right. then, you know, when Jerry Heller came in and, you know, they wanted to uh, put something on the radio, they, they had, made them do, like, Radio edits, radio versions, which they didn't really like, you know what I mean? Because it kind of took away from, you know, the curse words that they were doing. So that's why some of the radio versions kind of sound weird. Yeah. Because it was like they weren't ready for that, you know, initially, because they just wanted to, you know, say what they wanted to say. But that's, you know, once that part came in and the radio started playing the songs, and that kind of took it to a whole nother level, you know?
1: Right. So. So, uh, so when uh, when the controversy happened behind, uh, well, fuck the police, man. You know what, what, what was going through your mind when all that was going on? You know, with the the letters from the FBI and all of the publicity that, that was coming back but behind it.
0: Man, that was that was a trip. You know, I mean. I, I had never been with nobody that got a letter from FBI. <laughs> so that, that, that was kind of shocking for them and, you know, and everybody, you know. But they, you know, they turned a a possible negative thing into something positive to help promote the album, you know what I mean? And, you know, it was actually infringing on the on, on freedom of speech for the most part, you know. So... Yeah. I think it, it worked out, you know. It's like everything in life, you know, happens for a reason, and it's just how you react to it that makes it, you know, work for
1: you or or not, you know. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. So, uh, did did they sign you as a as a exclusive producer to to ruthless? No,
0: no, I, I didn't sign with them as a.
1: Producer or
0: musician, um, but I was there pretty much every day. But you know, from there, then other people start calling me. Tupac called me and Coolio, and you know, Yeah, I left before Ice Cube did, actually, because I, you know, I needed a a pay raise because they they now you went gold and platinum. Now it's time to, you know, time of up to Annie. So yeah, yeah. He, he, Easy didn't really want to, you know, pay more, so I left. And uh, after the after the straight out of Compton, but before I left, the last album I did was the D.O.C.'s album. Uh, uh,
1: no one could do it better.
0: Yeah, no one can do it better. I mean, that was classic album right there, man. I was. Yeah. D.O.C. was like, man, I want you to do the whole album, you know, because he knew I was leaving, so he's like, man, stick around and do my album, you know, so. After that one, man, you know, pretty much it was a wrap. Uh, you know, I, I left in the middle of Mr. Lady's album. I didn't finish her whole album, but, you know, it was good, though. I think the DLC was definitely one of the most classic albums that uh, that happened out of that era because, yeah. I mean, even he couldn't reproduce that again because, you know, after that he had his accident. Right, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? So that album will always kind of stand out to me and uh you know make it uh just you know one of the
1: classic albums of all time. Show. Right. So uh did did you help work on the final the final frontier? Uh, up, Band- oh, you talking about MC fan album? Yeah, oh, oh no on the, on on D O C the that that last song where they, they had the whole crew on uh the, the final frontier. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah, I did. Okay, cause see, uh, the re- the reason I'm asking because uh, I I had read in the article that uh, Ice Cube had did his verse first, and then when everybody finished, he came back and redid his verse. So was it? Did he have two different verses on that song? An, an original and the one that ended up on the album. Oh well, yeah, man. Cause it was you know it was competition in there. You yep. know, when when,
0: D, when DLC came on board, they upped the ante on that one because I mean, DLC could, was a you know could work that pin just as good as Ice Cube and MC ran, You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So they was definitely uh trying to you know take each other's head off. You know, because everybody <laughs> want to stand out. Nobody want to get you know, you know, get left in the dirt. So right, you know, they right. Was, they was in there you know, sweating, working on their own legs, listening to, you know, who said what. And, you know, it was definitely, that was good competition, though. It, it made, it raised the bar on the writing, you know, and the production and stuff in that, in that time. Sure. Oh, right. Yeah, and
1: then, and, and another song that I was always curious about was this song that, uh, called Bridget, you know, it ended up on uh, one of Dr. Dre's albums, well, not his album, but like a compilation album in 96 or something like that, but it was, uh, they said it was a song that uh D.O.C. had, it, it, it was supposed to have been on, on the uh the album, but it ended up getting dropped. Now, uh, did D.O.C. do that song for himself, or was it meant for one of the other artists?
0: I think initially he did it for itself, but, you know, when when songs don't make the album, then you, you're looking to place it somewhere. You know what I mean? Hopefully another artist will do it, but uh, initially I think he did it for itself.
1: Okay, okay.
0: But, but, you know, Dr. Dre is pretty much the ear of the whole project, so, you know, he lines the songs up and, you know, the the whole, playlist and if it don't fit the format, then you don't think it's good enough, and you just put it, you know, put it on the shelf.
1: Right, right. So, uh, how how was your uh, relationship with Jerry Heller? Actually, me
0: and Jerry are pretty cool, because I I never signed oh. anything with Jerry. Uh, I was going to do a publishing deal with him, but you know, the negotiations didn't work out on that, but. Hindsight, maybe I should have, maybe, you know, but either way, I was, you know, was offered, you know, to uh, a publishing deal with Jerry, but since I never had any contract with Jerry, me and him never had any kind of uh, any kind of beef or anything like that because we, you know, we friends and just, you know, as far as, you know, doing business together. So. Right. So,
1: but, um... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So uh, after you had left Ruthless, who all did you start working with then? Because you know you you
0: your your name
1: was hot. Uh, who after like after I left Ruthless? Had, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, actually,
0: after I left Ruthless, I was leaving the studio one day. Torn. And I saw somebody I saw Ice Cube. He was going the opposite way down the street and he was flagging me down, honking a horn. And he told me, um, Man, I'm I'm out I'm the lead, man, but I'm finna to start working on my album. I want you to come and work on work with me and uh on my album. So from there I the first I went to work with Ice Cube, so I played on all of Ice Cube's uh albums except the one he did when he went to New York. And uh I produced the first single on Predator called Wicked. Yeah. And, uh, right. You know, that's one. That's the album that made history as a number one album on uh, both a pop and the an R&B chart. You know, they made history with that album and, uh, and that single. So uh, from there, I mean, from Ice Cube, they we went to, you know, of course, Dub C and Julio and uh, Tupac. Uh, people just start ringing my phone. Oh, before that, it was, uh, even while I was working with, you know, after the NWA uh, stuff, and DJ Quick called me, I worked on his first album.
1: and uh, way, way. That album
0: for him. Uh, so that yeah. was... Yeah, so uh, you know, how,
1: how was it working with DJ Quick? I mean, it was cool, you know.
0: He you knows where, you know, you know, I just you know get around in the studio, and he you know he, he definitely know what he's listening for. So
1: it, it was pretty cool.
0: You know, I, I always had freedom to do what I wanted because they kind of trusted what I you know was doing anyway. So I mean, I have never really had nobody just put pressure on me to to do something different than what I do because I I work better when I do what I do. You know, what I mean, and you really don't have to tell me what to do. I just already know because just from working with, with Dre is uh, was a good experience because as a musician, you know, I came in just wanting to play a lot of notes, solos and stuff like that. And uh, it was kind of hard uh, being, you know, kind of, you know, just uh, structured to play maybe three or four notes and, you know, and, that was it It on some things, you know what I mean? So, that was a a good lesson I learned with Dr. Dre on just keeping it simple, you know what I mean? So, that's kind of, you know, it was hard because I always wanted to play more notes and solos and stuff like that. So, that was a good lesson as far as, you know, being able to have an ear for simplicity. And, uh, actually, he's the one that gave me the name, Stan, the guitar man. So,
1: Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow, so was... um, Yeah, so um, and I see you had worked with um did some, work with a few uh reggae artists too like uh Barrington Barrington Levy.
0: Yes sir, yes sir, I did work with Barrington Levy. Um, you know, I just I even worked on the Tom Jones record and uh um, Yeah. Working on a Quincy Jones record uh, and I, I just started, you know, working with a lot of variety of different people. So it, it really just kind of, you know, expanded my horizon as far as musical taste and, you know, just what I can do and, you know, kinda of stretch my possibilities.
1: And right. So so how how was it working with Quincy Jones? You got any Quincy Jones stories?
0: No, because I was working with his son, QD3, uh, but Quincy right. wasn't in the studio when I did the song. So I was working with his son, QD3, and, uh, you know, he was working on uh, producing and he was coming up as a young producer, so he was eager to have me work with him. I worked on a lot of stuff with him, you know, even on the Yo-Yo album and some of the other projects he did. Uh, you know, that Tupac Keeps Live and Die in L.A., uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and you know, I worked on some. There was a lot of different producers that was calling me at that time. You know, Hutch from Law, and um, you know, I worked with a lot of lot of different uh, people. <laughs> so it was good, man. It was it was a lot of fun, really, and that's that's what I like. You know, about you know that time because music was fun, and yeah. nobody was you know it wasn't serious because everybody, I mean, even in the records that you might hear on NWA and even easy, easy East, they all, some of the songs had a sense of humor to it, you know, yeah, so, right. Yeah. They they weren't taking themselves that serious. They knew they wasn't really all that, you know what I mean? But it was to really just have some fun and, and make some good records, you know, so yeah. that's, that's the difference between now and then everybody's like all serious. And like, nobody has a sense of humor and nobody act like they can't be vulnerable and you know, so there's a whole different era, you know?
1: Right. Yeah. yeah so, uh, what did you ever do any the work on Delphro records?
0: Not really. Um, I worked with on track with Daz over there and I worked with, a uh, I worked on the Snoop's album, the dog father, uh, but I didn't really get into the mix. I didn't get on the chronic or nothing like that. Because uh, at that time, you know, I was, I was, you know, trying to get over there, but I was started working with the other artists and, you know, at that time, Coolio and all the other artists and stuff like that. Yeah. So, uh, you
1: know, for some reason, God kept me out of that mix. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Right. So with all that going on, did you have your own production company?
0: Yeah, yeah, I did. I
1: uh, had a production company called Torture Chamber, and uh,
0: we started doing production, you know, on Ice Cube album, Light of Shade of Brown, yeah. uh, you know, Balls, uh, and, I. you know, other artists. And, uh, you know, yeah, so I, I did have a production team, you know, and we started doing production for other artists also
1: okay, yeah, so um, and uh with, with easy how how was your relationship with him what what all did you no, know? no, you said that uh, yeah, left out the straight out of compton, but uh how but how how was your relationship with easy, oh man, easy was good, I mean, we'd just be in
0: the studio just laughing and clowning all day, you know, 'cause easy was funny man He you had a sense of humor, so we'd be for the most part, even with everybody in the studio we've been there cracking jokes on each other, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So it was, that's what i was saying. It was, it was just a lot of fun. If you could visualize it was just a bunch of kids just in the studio having fun, you know, getting paid and doing what they want to do. So me and Easy was always good, you know. Uh, so it, it was never no, you know, the movie made it seem like he wasn't as serious as you know, all of that, but. For the most part, we had a lot of fun. It wasn't no right. was no violence no 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 gang banging and all this stuff in there that wasn't you know right. that wasn't the case in
1: that sense okay yeah, so with that being said, you know, as far as the movie goes uh how, how what's your opinion about the movie? you know, seeing how everything had, had went down as it was happening and then the way everything was portrayed in the movie. Well,
0: I mean, I just my opinion, I think if I, I should have had a scene in a movie when they was doing all the recording because I was always there.
1: Right.
0: Even though they, they played my parts in the movie as far as the music, you know, but I was, you know, that was me playing the music, bass and guitar and all that stuff. Um, uh, But if I would have had a part in the movie, I would have been, I would have had a, Almost a major part, but, you know, because I would have been on the N.W.A. side when they were doing the Straight out of Compton and Fuck the Police and all that stuff. Yeah. Then, then when I left N.W.A., I'd have been on Ice Cube's side because I played No Vaseline and all that stuff on Ice Cube's album against N.W.A. Right. Um, so, So I'd have been, you know, on both sides of the fence in the movie, you know, in the studio with N.W.A. and Ice Cube that's so crazy I, yeah maybe, maybe you know maybe that's why I wasn't in
1: there
0: <laughs> 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 so and, you know
1: and, and, and you know and it is funny man because uh you know in the movie they also didn't mention uh Arabian Prince you know who was also one of the core members of of NWA man that uh how 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 was he as a as a businessman? What what was he like? Oh, even Prince was cool, you know. He was laid back, but that
0: wasn't his mo as a you know to be gangster and portray that because I, I guess for religious reasons or you know he used to say you know his mom and didn't like all that cussing and stuff, so. Uh, I mean, he left the group right before it blew up. I mean, it's funny that his picture is on the album cover, but he's nowhere on the album. Yeah, right. You, you know, so he he left right before they blew up. I you know, I guess maybe morally, or you didn't think it was going to work out for him or something. But you know, it's you know, it, it's one of those stories that you know, with every successful group, it's always somebody that leaves the group before they blow up. And right. uh, that was, that was his character, you know,
1: <laughs> Yeah.
0: <laughs> but you know, he didn't want him and yellow did, you know, the stuff with JJ Fad Cause that was that kind of music. Yeah. So the dance kind of stuff. So he got some success off of supersonic and stuff like that. You know, that's what he did while he was there. And, uh, but he didn't do none of that, you know, none of that other stuff with, with uh, Easy or N.W.A. or Above the Law nothing like that. He was gone. Right. But, but yeah, that's, you know, that's always a trippy story. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So, look, what uh,
0: instruments did you play? I played guitar and I played bass. Uh, That's pretty much all I played during that time, you know, Because that's all that was needed at that time, you know, bass and guitar. So I played both of those roles on those albums over there. And uh, one song, uh, me and Yeller played live, you know, in the studio uh, when he's playing the drums. Somehow I used to fuck it up in Compton High, and so he's on the drums. Yeah. And that was just me and him, you know, playing live in the studio. So Yellow played some yellow played the, the drums on that particular song. I thought that was pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Okay yeah. And, and and then uh I see you, that you had a solo album too called uh Concrete Soul. Yeah, I put
0: a, a solo album out in two thousand nine actually. Uh, Concrete Soul. It's just uh instrumentals it's some, you know, hip-hop, some some pop and some rock on there, some hip, you know, you know, R&B. So it's just a mixture of just some things, the ideas I was working on at the time. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, well, my plan was to release another version of the album with features on it. So I'm working on actually doing that now. And... Uh, so, you know, I got another album I got no works right now that I'm going to put out, and I got a book I'm working on called The Strings of Life, My Life in Compton, and uh, I'm going to definitely uh, end up doing a documentary or a film.
1: That's what's up. Okay, cool. So, Don call you got something you want to ask?
0: Yeah, well, uh, besides the, um, the DOC album, what, what other artists, Oh, yeah, music or like album that you worked on was like the most memorable or like the best time working on uh i'll say Ice Cube Death Certificate yeah uh, and uh the predator album i'll say uh Coolio's album was you know a lot of fun cool definitely uh Tupac you know yeah. me me against the world I co I co uh a song on "Be Against the World" called "Fuck the World," yeah. And uh, with uh, Shock G, then I worked yeah. on a Machiavelli project with him and, and Third Life. That's what's up, yeah. Dope you know, shit. yeah. And but other than that, man, I you know I worked on a lot of other film projects and stuff too. Just you know that that made it fun. You know, okay. Friday was one. Uh, oh, cool. That's tight. Space Jam, Eddie, Minister Society, uh, New Jersey Drive, you know, James uh, Lover, you know, so that yeah. that was always cool too, you know. Yeah, that's real cool. Mm-hmm. But uh, also, you know, I did some, you know, a mile it seemed like everything I worked on was pretty much was either going gold or platinum, and it, it was not by my design, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that was all guys work because I worked on a Moz album, you know. Yeah. You know, so back in the day, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know. And um uh, that was you I mean, he he never put out <laughs> an album. But that went that went gold for him, I know. Then uh work with the Whispers and Lakeside and Foster Silvers and
1: Cool.
0: You know, it just kinda of was like a floodgate, man, and that, that you know, things just start happening. So I was just, you know, I was thankful, man. Things were, you know, pretty
1: much going well. That's the set, man. Yeah, that's cool. Hey, thank you. You got something you want to ask?
0: Yeah, can y'all hear me?
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: Hey, Stan, um, I wanted to ask you, uh, what genre of music did you uh, grow up listening to, and what influenced you to get into playing the guitar? Um, well, when I was young, my mom used to have parties over all the time, and they used to be playing a lot of, uh, a lot of blues, a lot of B.B. King, you know, Bobby Blue Bland, Al Green, um, you know, that kind of James Brown. Yeah. And those, those records kind of really stuck out, you know, because uh, I would always, you know, watch, you know, people running in there dancing it. You know, they would put on James Brown and people would start dancing and Al Green and, you know. And so I kind of grew up just – I never had lessons or anything like that, but I had gravitated to the guitar for for some particular reason. so I used to uh, go around playing the broom and then uh, (laughs) – Then they finally bought me a guitar. I guess you know too much straw all over the place, but uh, <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. So you know, and you know, especially Jimi Hendrix and stuff like that. But I right. just gravitated towards the guitar for some reason. I, I really can't, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, did you self teach? Did you self teach yourself, or did yes, you actually- I did. Uh huh. Okay, okay. That's what Yeah, right. we couldn't afford we couldn't afford lessons, so you okay. know, in the hood you, you know, it's just you gotta teach yourself when you wanna learn something. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, okay. So well, uh, thank you. So <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good because, you know, like in growing up in Compton, we had some music programs at the time, but you know they didn't really have no music programs where you could play guitar and stuff like that. You know, it's just yeah. I have a band and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. That's I think, you know days I'm just kind of listening
1: to you know all kind of music, blues for the most part.
0: Okay, cool. Okay, so anything
1: else you got going on nowadays? Uh, like I said, I'm working on my my album,
0: and uh, I'm gonna have some features on it and. uh. I'm gonna reach out to some of the people I play with and uh, you know, see if we can get some, you know, quicker uh, cues with some other people, you know, to do some uh, appearances and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. You know, MC Rand. And uh but yeah, did they ever send you over a, did they send you over a song to you know, the My Time single from the Concrete Soul?
1: Nah. Mm-mm.
0: Nobody ever? Oh, oh, really? Yeah. Send it send it to us again. Okay. Uh, send me a, text me an email address and I'll send it over to you. Yes, sir. And, uh, because, I mean, you, could, you know, play that song and, uh, you can get an idea of what some of the things, uh ideas, I, you know, I was feeling at that time. Okay. And like I said, the album is okay. on, on iTunes and the other digital media outlet to, uh, okay. uh
1: can go through and find. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's what's up. uh I say, like, you know, that was another great interview and uh there you have it everybody, uh, another uh music backstory told by another legend. You, you heard it right here first at Graffiti Talk Radio and we don't talk about it because it didn't happen yet. So uh peace. May old school hip hop live forever. Yeah All right so now peace uh,
0: okay, well, definitely uh, I enjoyed the, you know, interview. Now, if you want to reach out to me, you can always email me at uh, StanGuitarMan7 at gmail.com or Stan Jones on Facebook or Twitter at Uh, You know, if you need any services or anything like that, just holler at me. Much
1: love, everybody. That's what's up. What's up? Uh,